As a leader of your company, you must stay up to date with your strategies and execution or risk obsolescence. Welcome to the Finnovate Show, financial services innovators bringing you the future today. And now, here's your host, Jerry Purcell. It's the Finnovate Show, brought to you by Innovation 360 Group. I'm Jerry Purcell. Get ready to think about your biggest challenges and capitalize on your biggest opportunities after this. Executives depend on external consultants to fill knowledge and experience gaps or to have an experienced mind audit their thinking. The Innovation 360 Group brings together a wide range of proven thought leadership from around the globe and cost-effectively makes it available to you. Get the insights, advice, and systems you need to succeed. Learn more at www.innovation360.com. My guest today is Nada Vior of RiseUp. And I'm also joined by David Milligan, a financial services consultant and one of Innovation 360's gold partners. To hear Nadav describe his career, he was born to fintech and spent the last 20 plus years dealing with technology, strategy, and innovation, both in startups, corporate, and NGO environments, all with the goal to unite a love for the financial world with social impact. Having spent time in financial institutions and small, private, and not-for-profit sectors, Nadav now finds himself at RiseUp as head of business development and strategic partnerships based in Tel Aviv. RiseUp is a profit with a purpose company with a huge impactful product and world-class team. It strives to help people rise up financially and improve self-efficacy. It does so by translating the complexities of the financial world into simple, actionable insights using behavioral change and importantly with a community-focused approach. Nadav, David, and I spoke recently about his time at RiseUp and his experiences in bank innovation, fintech, and the Israeli tech sector. I've got lots of questions. So Nadav, welcome to the show. David, welcome to the show. Nadav, perhaps now we can maybe start to unpack your story a little bit. Where, where does your passion for technology and social purpose come from? So hi, Jerry. Hi, David. And uh, thank you for that wonderful intro. And really happy to be here. Well, growing up in a house where both my parents were IBMers, I had a computer at home from a young age, and I started programming out of uh, curiosity. In addition, my dad was always a capital markets believer, so I learned of bonds and stocks and was following them off the back page of the paper, and I started investing with my bar mitzvah money when I was 13 years old. So I basically grew up with finance and tech, or as it's called today, fintech, now, Israel as a country is known as startup nation for a reason. Israel is home to the highest number of engineers per capita and has the world's second highest R&D expenditure as percentage of GDP. And you probably know that many of the international giants uh, such as Intel, Microsoft, uh, Cisco, IBM, obviously, and Apple chose Israel as the site for the first development centers outside of the U.S., but we are specifically really strong in startups. Israel ranks first in the world for venture capital raise per capita and have the highest number of unicorns per capita globally. So it's kind of a strong cultural thing here. And since my army duty was also in an elite tech unit and I did my academic studies in fields of economics and computer science, 
my path was kind of paved. Even though after finishing my studies, I chose to go to the strategy and management consulting, and that led me for a few years in strategy, innovation, and fintech positions in a Pauline bank. It's Israel's largest bank. And later on to business development for Itoro, which is an Israeli fintech unicorn for social investing. And all along my business career, I managed also a social career. So I volunteered for years in a few NGOs. And when I met Yuval, the CEO of Rise Up, I just fell in love with his vision and passion to build a global fintech leader that will also have a huge social impact. I guess the only question, the only sort of word that comes to my mind is, is wow. <laughs> very, very yeah. impressive. So I know uh, David knows you quite well as well from, from the past. So, so maybe David, maybe just could introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your experience with Nadav, both as a client and a, an associate. Fantastic. Thanks, Jerry. And uh, yeah, it's really great to be on this podcast with Nadav and with yourself. Um, so right now I run a consulting firm called Ulysses Partners. And uh, as you said, we're Innovation 360 Gold Partners. But Nadav and I go way back. Um, so one of my earlier companies was called Matchy, uh, and we met back in 2014 uh, when he was heading up fintech at Bank Kapualim, which is the biggest bank in Israel. And as Nadav has put, you know, innovation is just kind of in the air in Israel. And I've been fortunate enough to visit Israel a few times, uh, to visit Nadav and to see a lot of the startup accelerators and and just this huge like explosion of fintech and startups in Israel. And it's it's been the scene of a whole bunch of other launches, including a lot of the early digital uh, neobanks. So, yeah, you know, Nadav, uh, I've seen as a pioneer in the space and I've seen him go from, you know, hardcore banking through to investing at eToro and now at Rise Up, which I think is an incredibly exciting venture and I think it's going to have a big impact. So one of the premises of our conversation today is that we think that there's some, uh, first of all, some cool stuff about Rise Up, but also some things that the North American and European environments can learn from what Rise Up is up to. So, so maybe the first first place to start, Nadav, is tell me a little bit about Rise Up. Sure. So basically, like you mentioned, we're a profit with purpose company, which means that we are a fully VC backed up startup with an ambitious business plan, and a social mission to help people be on top of their money together. Now, prior to starting Rise Up, our founder and CEO, Yuval Samet, was CTO and chief product officer of Klarna. And he was among the leaders to turn it from a you know, local Swedish fintech to one of the largest global players in fintech. Coming back to Israel after a few years in Stockholm, he looked for a big social problem to solve and was taken by the immense debt situation of little consumers. In Israel, it happened to be that 42% of Israelis were in overdraft in the past year. And in the U.S., for example, the research showed 60% of Americans cannot afford an unexpected 1,000 bill for emergency. So being in this situation creates not only economical stress, but also cognitive scarcity. And then you make bad decisions, not only with your money, but also in the relationship with your partner or with your kids. And we all feel that. So we set sail to solve that and to switch households from being concerned with money to being in control of their money. And we do that in a fun way, which we call fintertainment. 
So now of it, um, it must be interesting to be both a financial services organization and have a social mission. I think it's kind of unusual in the marketplace. Tell me what it's like to be that, and in particular as it relates to sort of some other markets where where that might be kind of unusual. Uh, so well, it's it's definitely fun because you know uh, I used to have a business career. Uh, striving to for the bottom line and then a social career I call it when I volunteered for uh, NGOs and to find something that combines both of them in a really authentic way and uh, not just you know as uh, headlines is exciting for me it's uh, I've I've between my times with Apolline Bank and Itoro until the time I, I met Yuval this your Friday up I really looked and I was in touch with many with dozens of startups and to find this combination is unique now we always uh, struggle you know with with the uh, challenging business goals and also being really on the side of the customers to be to look into the social mission and to be very honest and very committed to it is a is a struggle and it it you know it's Many times we have business decisions that we make and we kind of take, I think it was uh, Amazon's approach to, to think about the customer in the room with us and to see what she or he would say about it and how they would react. And are we really authentic and are we really on the best of interest? And just today I had a conversation with a loyalty club in Israel that, you know, in, that, that, he he's really a, a, a unique in the cult, in the cultural uh, aspect of Israel he's really a unique club because he doesn't get any commission of his members uh, so we found that our values are really aligned and we can make business but in other situations where I meet companies and strategic partners you know we are very sensitive about how they make their money and how we make the money and how we can partner together and you stay truthful on the side of the customers so so rise up really gets underneath and understands what the customers need so so how do you get, how do you figure that out and then how do you help them to change their behaviors so that both rise up and the customer can meet their meet their sort of financial goals so we believe that that uh, you know data aggregation financial data aggregation and categorization whatever dominates the PFM world today uh, although it's not easy and it requires some sweat it's it, today it's still a commodity which doesn't provide any competitive advantage for a b2c services in the space so we developed a method uh, that prioritizes simplicity and user experience over the richness of data And we focus on cash flow rather than on budgets. So instead of bombing the user with comparison tables and colorful charts, we send him or her a daily message on WhatsApp with only one number. And this one number is what they can spend until the end of the week in order to remain in a positive cash flow or reach their saving goals. You see, people tend to check their banking or financial apps hopefully once a week or even daily. But how many times a day do you check your messaging app? probably hundreds of times. So we are there where you are, where they are, and we inhibit financial control in their subconscious with minimum effort. 
Now, of course, they can have the full data and drill down into categories if they wish, but the default is simple. And another aspect of our method is based on a community-driven product. We have a highly engaged community that supports and challenges each other, and the community is managed online in a Facebook group, but also in offline events. And our community functions both as a huge support group, methodical, and mostly behavioral, and also as a strong force to drive social and financial change as a group. In a way, we see ourselves, uh, you know, sort of a social movement brand. Hmm. Yeah, the the community aspect is is uh, pretty powerful. I, and I know, uh, David, this is something that uh, is of particular interest to you. So maybe um, yeah. maybe some of your thoughts on on why this sort of community approach is, is something that's quite special. Sure. I mean, you know, uh, but just before diving into that, I, I just really want to support what Nadav said in terms of the personal financial management or PFM space. I mean, this has been something that we've seen for the last 10 years and numerous firms came out and banks adopted these different, you know, approaches to showing people budget and charts and found that the behavior doesn't change. And what I love about what Nadav and RiseUp are doing is that sort of single number and and just keeping it incredibly simple with the ability to do the drilling down that uh, if people want to do that, but it's a small percentage of people who do that. And I think that's incredibly powerful and it differentiates them from um, the plethora of other sort of PFM tools in the market. And the other big differentiator, as you said, is the community-driven approach. So what's interesting is in other parts of the world, in particularly in the developing world, you come across these sort of community-based financial organizations um, especially in markets in Africa, um, they go by different names. In South Africa, they're called Stockfells. In India, there are others in, in, all, in all other parts where basically people come together as a group and pool their savings. So people have really small, low levels of savings. And they do this almost as a self-insurance mechanism for people who are members of that group to cover unexpected expenses. And, you know, Financial institutions have tried to copy that approach in the past. RiseUp isn't doing that. They're doing something, you know, beyond that. They're sort of creating this group. But the community-based aspect has been found to be very powerful when it comes to, you know, repayment strategies. And in fact, over time, negotiating as a group, as a community with financial services providers. So, um, I think that, you know, this has a long tradition and Rise Up and Nadav are doing something very different, building on it and then taking it to a next level for uh, the digital age. One of the terms that you've mentioned before, Nadav, is, uh, is fintertainment. Tell me a little bit more about fintertainment. <laughs> so I think that, you know, relating to what David just said and the glass ceiling that PFM uh, are bumping into, you know, I have been also following them, them for the over a decade now, probably back from the time I, started, I was in, in Hapoalim Bank. And they just, I think they just ignore the simple truth that most people just don't enjoy managing their finances, right? It's, it's time consuming, it's complicated, it's reality in your face. And sometimes you just don't want to see it. And, and after you have dinner and put your kids to bed, most people just rather watch Netflix than download Excel or sit with their PFM tools, right? So we are trying to bring into this 
play, you know, f- fun features. And instead of bringing consumer insights, as they mostly call in other uh, uh, services, we try to build sort of an Instagram story for you that tells you, uh, you know, just put some, some lights on your communication uh, um, expenses or on your uh, comparing your supermarket costs to eating outside. And we try to bring it in a very delightful, very uplifting and very positive way. So it's sort of an experience that you look up for, for this. We have this uh, mid-monthly story and we have the, the end of month summary. And it's always something, even if you had a negative cash flow for the past two months, for example, and when we analyze that and we bring you the, the summary, we would tell you, you know, although you had a negative cash flow, if you look over the six months, you did have one month that you succeeded and now you can do it again. So we're always thinking about how to uh, give you these small wins because this is part of the, of the theory of the psychological and the behavioral theory that we believe in. And it, and it comes down to having goals that are different than just financial. I mean, for the, for the financial institution itself to have goals that are different than just financial. It's a, it's a longer term kind of self, um, I guess, a combination of safety and sort of financial security that it's really part of the discussion as opposed mm-hmm. to just about how much money can we make by selling someone a overdraft protection or, or a credit card or something like that. Yeah, you know, our model is, is basically subscription. So we are not receiving any other incomes from, uh, you know, for partners or from financial products who are really committed to being and to serving the customers themselves. The world is moving fast. It's difficult to keep up. Your executive team routinely needs new ideas to keep them ahead of the competition. Imagine having a plan in place in 30 days to focus your innovation efforts, improve customer experience, accelerate your move to digitization, or increase speed to market. Our guide to accelerating your innovation agenda provides you with insights and time-saving resources to plan your path forward. Contact Jerry to book a quick call or for your complimentary copy at www.linkedin.com backslash in backslash Jerry Purcell G-E-R-R-Y P-U-R-C-E-L-L or email Jerry at jerry.purcell at innovation360group.com So this is quite a different way of approaching things and Rise Up has some really interesting ideas and, and services and stuff, but there must be things that hold you back. What sort of gets in the way of, of moving the, the, this sort of model forward? So the far and foremost obstacle is related to, obviously, to trust and security issues of a startup versus established banks. Uh, but we believe open banking, which is spreading all over the world, will mitigate most of it. And the second challenge relates to, I'd say, cultural aspects. So personal money is not an open topic. It's not heavily debated like politics. 
Uh, but we see it changing with generational change and by changing the user experience of money to become more entertaining and more shareable. And then some of the enablers, this whole community aspect and stuff, but what else, what else sort of helps the idea to move forward or to expand? So, yeah, like you mentioned, communities are really rising uh, digitally nowadays. And I think it combines with our missionary approach uh, the same, like you see in groups united around a hobby, like designers, cyclists, or coffee lovers, we put a great effort to support our die-hard riserpists. So they become a multiplier of us, uh, an empowering force of the community. And also, in addition, lately, you know, because of the macroeconomic situation, we feel a strong backwind due to the inflation and increased cost of living, which pushes people to be more intentional with their finances. And everyone likes to be part of something successful, right? And, and to be able to tout uh, their own personal success, be it every day or whatever. Uh, interesting. Interesting. So one, one of your other goals is what you call self-efficacy. And in, in effect, giving your customers confidence that they have the ability to drive their own financial results. And, and I guess that assumes that perhaps that's not where they start. Why, why is that so important? Like in many other fields, many people relate their inabilities or failures to external factors. They say it's just the way it is, cost of living is rising, and everyone doesn't make ends meet, so why bother? Uh, and in this situation, one doesn't have the motivation to make an internal behavioral change. We believe the essence driving behavioral change is building people's self-efficacy. We rely on Professor Albert Bandura, He's a very known psychologist that published a theory for building self-efficacy. And one of the basic elements to believe you can is to see other people like you succeed. So we cater to this using, uh, you know, our highly engaged community and also embedded product features. Because without winning in small steps and seeing similar people succeed, you will not build the self-efficacy to lead you through a hard change. And the openness we see in our community is, is actually really amazing and moving. People share their expenses, their lifestyle, their struggles, and they gain tremendous emotional support and practical tips. So in that aspect, we kind of consider ourselves a growth tech in the, in the essence of, of being a personal growth supporter. Hmm. So how public does it become, this involvement with, uh, with Rise Up? Like how, how much sort of uh, like exposure do they get online and in, in sort of Instagram? And you, you mentioned WhatsApp, which is an equivalent kind of thing. So how, how exposed, how sort of involved in the community, how obvious is it to others? How do we attract other people to the environment? I mean, there's a bunch of different questions, but so how does it grow? So first, it's a personal choice whether to be anonymous or to share things. So we don't, nothing is mandatory, but we do build the bridges in order for people to be more open about their finances, to make this conversation. Uh, we do it with the communal support. We do it with other rise upists that support people. We do it with the uh, shared challenges that we do about how to save on our lunch boxes, you know, or how to save more money uh, next month for our kids and group challenges like this. And once people see other people 
and you can see in our community, you know, publishing their, their real life expenses and saying we're a, you know, a couple with two kids and a dog living here and that, and that's our expenses. And please help us figure out how we can reduce them a, bit, a little bit. And then you get the conversation going. And that just exposes people to, to other people like them or not like them, you know, but it, it emphasizes that you can, you can do it, that people like you share the same struggle. And then this creates an open environment. And we are always looking how to make it stronger. So we implement sharing features in our uh, product, in the product itself. So every time you have a, you know, a winning moment, you can have the possibility to share it straight either to your family members, you know, on WhatsApp or to Facebook if you want to share it with the community. And we see we have, we put it, we, you know, we put sharing as a KPI, as a KPI for one of the squads in the company. So what they're doing every day is thinking about how we can, we can increase virality, how we can make people trust more the, the community and the product in order to share. So that's what they wake up in the morning for. And that's part of the, of the thing we do, you know, and focus on. So what's going on in the financial services world that, that Rise Up has its eyes on that, that uh, perhaps might be another evolution of the, of the idea or, or another offering for, for potential clients? So we're currently actually in the phase of growing both the product offering into other financial worlds, like savings, which we already have a few solutions, and mortgages, which is a big thing in Israel now. And in parallel, we are now uh, making our first steps into new markets. So we currently focused on uh, the UK, the Netherlands, and Spain in order to expand geographically. Uh, we see we did a thorough cultural analysis you know, of these three markets, which was very interesting because, as you understand, community and uh, the cultural discussion of money is, uh, is, is really a big proxy metric for our success. So when we analyzed the different markets, we saw that there are a lot of like a common basis for people about the struggle with money and with managing it. But there is difference between the markets in terms of who people go to when they need to discuss money, who they rely on, who they open their, their wallet to. And we're now just on the phase of trying to, uh, to understand what's our next moves in these three markets, uh, where it's more correlated to what we see in Israel and where it's different, but might be an advantage because, you know, we started in Israel because we are Israelis and that's our home market, but it could be that Israel is not the easiest market and on other markets we will see easier success. So we're right on the on on this stage, and it's a fascinating uh, you know stage to be in a company. So what do you think, David? You've spent a lot of time studying the U.S. market. What 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 do you think uh, might be attractive in that space uh, in particular? Look, I mean, um, I've been fortunate to to see a lot of different banking markets around the world, and uh, focusing the last few years on the U.S. And I think that you know. Firstly, the rise of open banking, as Nadav talked about, which is coming to the U.S. Um, uh, finally, makes sort of the growth of of a, a whole bunch of um, almost like you know smaller niche communities focused on particular interests or areas and who want to access financial services. And I think that that 
makes it attractive. And I think that this idea of linking into communities around the world in the US market, I think that uh, what's the, the same sort of um, headwinds for the consumer also create impetus and force for uptake for their solutions like Rise Up and for Rise Up in particular. Um, I was actually listening to another podcast the other day where they were talking about, you know, the the incredible growth in the amount of credit card debt in the US over the last 12 months. It's reached sort of, it's grown more in the last 12 months than at any point in the previous 20 years. And there are just so many people in the US who are struggling in now in the uncertain times that we're in, um, are how do they manage this? And I think solutions like Rise Up, which really build in the city of community and self-efficacy, I love that. I think that's just amazing. I mean, you know, this combination of individual agency and and connection with other people like yourself. Um, I think it's a, a winning combination and there's no reason it shouldn't succeed in the US as I'm sure it will in other markets. What, what about uh, like portfolio management? Like, um, uh, for example, with the cost of uh, housing and mortgages and stuff going up, uh, you know, there's potentially the, the, the need to sort of manage across dif- different portfolios, be they savings and and lending, so that you sort of can manage the two of them. And perhaps you borrow from P- Peter to pay Paul w- at one month or whatever. Is, have you thought about the sort of portfolio aspect of uh, Rise Up, Nadav? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, if we're talking long term, our mission is to be the wealth managers for everyone. So you have, you know, on top of the pyramid, you have the, the high net worth individuals, which probably have a dedicated financial manager for their portfolio. And then you have uh, capital market enthusiasts that trade themselves and invest and they're, you know, they, they know how to do it, but in small amounts. And then you have the basis of the pyramid is a lot of people that just don't have access to the capital markets. And we want to build the wealth manager for them. Uh, We started, you know, with the daily struggle of cash flow and managing because this is the basic in order to turn people from, you know, working class people to to owning class people. And once we manage to tackle this, we can teach them how to build assets. And the next stage will be obviously to put it all together. And open banking enables us to get this all of this information. Uh, in Israel, in specific, we, open banking was launched formally a month ago, actually exactly a month ago. But we do have, in terms of the next stages of open banking in Israel, are, are quite advanced. And they're going to include both lending and mortgages. And credit cards, obviously, and also securities, which is uh, hasn't been launched to, to, as far as I know, it hasn't been launched uh, anywhere in the world. Securities data, and that's going to be in uh, next year in Israel, 2023. So, as you've embarked on this uh, this rise up initiative, you know, from start to, to now and looking forward, what what uh, has surprised you? Yeah, I'm trying to think what surprised me because you know I'm 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 involved in open banking for for a long time, so uh, pretty much no surprises. I've experienced it from both sides <laughs> in the bank and in uh, startups. Uh, so I'm really trying to think if something surprises. Uh, you know, the the biggest surprise is is probably is always you know being in a startup it, that everything takes more time than you think. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we have the plans, sure. and but uh, I think you know. I, I think I look at it quite uh, quite in the eyes. So I'm working in a bank kind of balanced my uh, you know my uh, ambitions or my expectations because I, I understand the pace that a big organization are changing, and I understand the the pace that revolutions in fintech occurs. So it's not over one year or two years. It's always about a decade. It's always more than you think, but it is a big change over a decade. So really hard for me to say that something surprised me. I'd say next question. <laughs> okay. So let, so let's, so what about you, David? You have any thoughts on that? Uh, I think, yeah, for me, um, I think, you know, what's, what surprised you when, when speaking with Nadal about Rise Up and that is, you know, utilizing these, um, like messaging services like WhatsApp and the simplicity of the cash flow based approach. Um, I think that, you know, that was so different from all the other PFM tools. Um, but in terms of, of, uh, the other things that I've said, I completely echo what he said, you know, um, innovation in financial services, is always obvious in retrospect. And yet, you know, actually when you look into any big change, you see that it has been building up for 10 or more years and it reaches that tipping point. And I feel that, you know, um, actually behavioral change of people's financial behaviors has been talked about for 10 years. And I think we're about to hit that tipping point. So yeah, that would be my sense. Okay. Yeah, it, it is uh, something that, um is uh, and by by is I mean the the thinking about somebody's sort of long term portfolio and their behavior and what's best for them in the bank and like that is something that's talked about, but it's not something that's in uh, reality in a lot of organizations. So I think it's a really interesting concept to uh, to be thinking about in in general terms, both from a from a sort of at the savings level, but also broadly across one's one's portfolio. You know, and and uh, having alignment between your financial advisor and your bank and yourself around what your longer term goals are for when you're retiring is, is really quite something I think that people want, maybe even if they don't know that they want that. And that's what, uh, that's what you're all about now is making sure they understand that that's what they, that's what they want. And they, not so much that you would tell them what they want, but they would help to discover in fact that that's something that's, uh, that is something useful for them. So, but just to dive in there, I'm sorry, just, I, what I love about it is it all begins with positive cash flow. You yeah. Know? And that that's the start of everything. So I, I really applaud that. So one last question out of, so you've been on this journey, uh, nothing surprised you apparently. So that's all good. <laughs> but what, um, what uh, do you think other financial services organizations in other parts of the world could learn from your experience and what advice would you give them? I would say you have to think fun, rewarding, emotional. This is what's missing in financial services not on account of competence and expertise, but as an inseparable value that you must provide. And be ethical, be authentic. Authenticity is rewarded nowadays. And I also try to be extra fair. It never hurts. Well, that's great. So hopefully our listeners agree, but uh, I think that uh, this has been a very interesting episode. And I want to thank you, uh, Nadav and David, for participating. So, so that wraps us up, and as always, I look forward to hearing thoughts from you, our listeners, about today's show. 
please keep the conversation going. If you like the show, tell your friends. And please take a minute to rate our show or to comment on LinkedIn. So go to www.innovation360.com or your favorite podcast site to find out more and to listen to more shows. Both of you, please uh, please stay safe. And thank you very much, Nadav and David, for chatting with me today. You've been listening to The Finnovate Show with Jerry Purcell. If you like the show, share it on your network and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can go to www.innovation360.com to listen to more shows, download the transcription from today's show, or to contact today's guest. This is The Finnovate Show, financial services innovators bringing you the future today.